The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Hello and welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. I am your host, Melanie Young, and I am so glad you can join me today uh, live on W4WN, the Women for Women Network. Hey, it's the largest women's network in the country dedicated only to and for and about women. If you have listened and listened to me for the past five years, you know that my mission is to help women like you make healthy choices to live a happier life. And I do that by having renowned experts on my show as guests to talk about topics that matter to you. Uh, This week is a special week. It's the first week of August uh, in 2019, and it marks my 10th year uh, cancer anniversary. I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer on August 6th. Uh, 2009. And, you know, if if anyone listening has been diagnosed with cancer, it's the strangest milestone marker in your life. Um, It's not a wedding. It's not a graduation. It's not a birth. It's your cancer diagnosis. And I don't know anybody who has been diagnosed with cancer who does not remember the exact day or time or what they were doing at the time that they were diagnosed. It just stays with you forever. The key is what I've learned, 10 years puts a lot of wisdom on you as a survivor, and I have learned a lot. Um, Some I didn't expect, some I did, some I had control over, some I did not. And if you check out my um, blog at MelanieYoung.com, you'll see some lessons I learned to share with what would have been my younger self, scared, numb, and in shock on August 6, 2009. Um, because it's a special week uh, and a special topic, I have invited um, a guest on. She's been on before, but not for a number of years. And I, I call on her and and and, and their re- uh, website frequently when I'm writing about topics um, tied to lifestyle and cancer. Um, we have on today Alice G. Bender, who is a, a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, and a um, key uh, person in charge of nutrition programs at the American Institute for Cancer Research. That's AICR.org. It is a nonprofit. It's based in Washington. And it's one of my go-to sources, among a few, on topics related to cancer and nutrition. Alice, welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. Well, thank you, Melanie. It's great to be on with you again. And, And thank you so much for all the work that you have done um, to help women and um, I'm sure other people as well um, live healthier lives and, and learn how to reduce their risk for cancer and to survive. Well, it's important because as clearly stated on the AICR uh, website, about 40% of cancer cases are preventable. Preventable. And uh, in, in the U.S., one in four people will develop cancer at some point in their life. Um, that's pretty significant. 40% are preventable. And I think it, I've seen even statistics that are even higher than that, right? Yeah, we, you know, it's, it's an estimate. Um, I think that 
you know, I've heard anywhere from 30 to 50 percent. And, you know, just looking at the data, we decided that 40 percent seemed like a a reasonable um, and, you know, well-documented number to to, uh, put on that prevention. Of course, um, you know, it's an estimate, but it's it's a lot. I think that's the key point is that it's a lot of cancers that don't have to happen. Well, I actually thought it was going to be higher, but because I know in, in the breast cancer role, they say 90% is um, only about 5 to 10% is genetic, which means the other underlying causes are almost 90%. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But that's the breast cancer role. So another um, blog post I saw on the site said um, that the global burden of disease GBD study at one uh, from conducted in 2017 um, suggested that more than 11 million deaths could have been prevented. 11 million deaths could have been prevented through healthy diet. Um, that's what we're going to talk today. And I, I also want my listeners to know that we have a chat room, w4wn.com um, chat room, where you can um, instant message your questions and I'll be sorting them and answering them along the way. Um, I'm curious, Alice, it, you know, obesity is epidemic. There are a lot of epidemic problems in the United States right now. Let's just say with obesity, we won't even get into the emotional ones. But is, is, is that number, are we finding that number stable or increasing in terms of more people being impacted by cancer because of their dietary choices and lifestyle choices? You know, I think this study really shows how powerfully our food and diet choices affect our health, um, including cancer and and other chronic diseases. And the data in this study was collected in 2017, so that's that's pretty recent. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I would just say that based on the global trend of increasing number of people with overweight and obesity, I'm afraid that... um, We'll see this continue, this trend continue in the coming years. Just to, to give you an example, ob- worldwide, obesity um, has nearly tripled since 1975. Um, and we're not wow. really seeing that, <laughs> that uh, you know, get any better uh, at this point. So I think, I think we're in for, you know, until we really begin to make some changes in um, food supply and food choices, this is going to continue. And I think a lot of that is a combination of factors. One, I don't think we are moving around as much. We are growing increasingly more sedentary, and a lot of that's because we're on our mobile devices and not running around outside. I mean, I see kids just don't move anymore. I mean, they just sit in front of a screen. And two, obviously processed foods and foods that are higher in sugar and fat and um, added added sugars and fats and sodium and other things that, you know, are out there. Um, And and then there's also an environmental factor. And I think if you, if, if, you know, when we look back in history and look at that tripling um, statistic, those are all factors that are leading into it. And, And as much as there is dietary information Everywhere you look, it doesn't seem to make it. It's not sticking. Right. It seems like you know it looks simple. If we would just do X, Y, and Z, it would help. But of course, it's it's much more complex than that because there are a lot of things that go into our choices, um, into what we have available to us, what we might be able to afford or not afford, um, yeah. convenience, and and you make a really good point too about physical activity. Um, you know, we're in a, in a world that is increasingly. Um, 
not conducive to being active in many different ways. So sometimes it's hard for us to, to work that into our life. We have to sometimes, you know, set aside specific times rather than just incorporating it into our lives. So, yeah, there's multiple, multiple factors in um, the increase in, in overweight and obesity in, in, the, in the world as well as just dietary choices that are they're not optimum. Well, um, exactly. Now, I want to talk about body weight because, um, it, and, and good, I'm getting some questions. Jill is saying, is it not because of what we eat, but also about what we do as well? And the answer is yes. I mean, you, you can have a healthy diet, Jill and, and Allison chime in, but if you're not moving... <laughs> <laughs> you're not moving and you're sitting in front of your desk all day. It's not going anywhere. The calories are not being burned. You got to burn the calories. You know, that's, 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 <laughs> that's right. And, and aside from, you know, and aside from the fact the effect that physical activity would have on weight, we know that in and of itself, we know it decreases the risk for at least three, three different cancers and is important for, for heart health and, and reducing risk for type two diabetes. So just moving is key. Alice, what Regardless. are those three cancers? That you, what are those three cancers? Uh, endometrial, um, breast, and colorectal. Wow. So, so moving, moving, just yes. to repeat yes. that, be, getting regular movement, you don't, if you don't like the E word, exercise, can help with reduce your risk for endometriosis cancer, breast cancer, and colorectal. It's pretty significant. I want to talk about breast cancer because body weight is extremely important, even more so for women because... Um, Women, according on the AICR website, women who followed a balanced diet that was low in fat, included daily servings of fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, had a 21% lower risk of death from breast cancer than women who ate a normal diet that was higher in fat and animal products, according to a study presented at the American Society of Clinical Oncology annual meeting. That's pretty significant. Yes, yes, it is. And in that trial... I think what's important to note is that the women um, not only lost weight, but it was a modest weight loss overall. It was just 3%. But what they did in their diet was they reduced their, the amount of fat they were taking in. They ate more fruit, they ate more vegetables, and they took in more whole grains. So, you know, it's a combination of making those food choices um, and, you know, I don't know, we didn't, it didn't seem to look at their exercise. I don't know if they did or not, but just making those changes and losing a small amount of weight had a significant impact on their risk. Absolutely. Now I want to, I want to point something out because I'm having a little difficulty now when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my, my, I got my weight in check cause I was overweight. And in the past two years, two years, it has really creeped back up and, and I'm scratching my head and I know I'm probably a little more sedentary than I'd hoped cause I'm working so hard, but I also eat a lot. I eat a really healthy diet, Alice. I eat fresh fruits, whole grains and lots of vegetables and you know, move probably more than most people and I'm still putting on weight. So my, I've talked to a lot of RDs on the show. I want to talk about factors that even though you have a healthy diet, you're still not losing weight. What may be a, a, an issue here? Because um, I was told maybe you can eat too much fruits, for example, or you can eat too much of something. For those who are curious, can you eat too much of something? 
<laughs> yeah, even if it's a healthy food, you can certainly exactly. eat too much of it. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are high fat foods that are healthy, but you don't want to be eating, you know, lots and lots of those. Um, yeah. It's it it all comes down to the to the right proportion, um, and and I you know, and we know as people age, it is more and more difficult. Um, to you know, to to maintain the the lower weight, it's just easier to put to put the weight on. So there are a lot of factors that go into this, and I think just doing what you can to eat the healthy foods, but moderate your portion sizes. You know, it's it's tough to overeat on the on the watery vegetables like uh, you know carrots and celery and and the you know rabbit foods, I guess, kind of <laughs> that you talk about, but. Um, but yes, certainly fruit, especially things like dried fruit, um, or you may, you know, fruit may be part of a, a dessert with some other higher calorie foods. So it it all does come down to um, to the appropriate portion sizes and getting those all in 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 your diet. But a good balance. Uh, you know what we what we promote here at, at AICR is a plate where you have at least two thirds of your plate filled with plant foods like vegetables and fruit and whole grains, and then a third or less with animal foods. So that's that's kind of one way to think about how you might balance out the foods on your plate. Exactly. And I always say take um, two fistfuls of your vegetables and, and move your meat to the side dish. You know, everybody has a side salad. Although you yeah. can't have it. I recently did an article. I'm doing some writing for Livestrong and I did one on bloating. <laughs> and, and bloating, which is a common thing when you do eat too many raw vegetables. And one of the um, advice from one of my uh, prior guests, Tamara Duker-Freeman, who specializes in digestive health, is maybe don't eat so much of the, the salad as your main course. <laughs> be, a little more, be a little more French and eat it at the end of your meal, perhaps, <laughs> with your right. digestion. Right, so, right. So, so, yeah, it, it's different for everybody, right? Exactly, exactly. And I think another thing to think about when you are eating, too, is to really taste and enjoy your food and be present with your meal. Um, exactly. You know, to not eat through it quickly and be distracted while you eat. That's that's another reason is we're distracted with so many other things that we're thinking about. And, and really sitting down with your food and your meal and enjoying that and taking time um, can also be very helpful with just feeling like you've had enough, knowing when to stop. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about... Um, you know, myths and facts. There's a great, I'm looking for it on the website right now because I did it. Myths and facts. I'll get to it on the ASCR website. Oh, the, the, but there quiz, the quiz that we have on there. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking for the quiz right now. Um, there are some, you know, I'm always worried of statements that certain foods cause cancer because I, I, I come from the fact that, you, you, you know, like your habits and your lifestyle contribute to cancer, but at the end of the day, there are many factors that, quote, cause cancer. Um, let's discuss foods that the AICR believes are more carcinogenic. And I want to talk, divide it into two categories, Alice, and then we'll talk about healthy foods. I want to talk about the foods itself, and then I also want to talk about cooking preparation. So let's start with foods and why the uh, AICR has a stand on, on each of these. Okay, thanks. Well, first, Melanie, I want to just make sure that we understand the language, why this exactly. is so important, and what we mean when we talk about prevention and risk and cause. So when we talk about cancer prevention, we're looking at the whole population. You know, we're saying we can prevent so many cancers. Um, here's what you can do. Uh, here's what we can do to prevent cancers. Um, but when you're talking with an individual, you're really talking about risk. Um, what are your odds? 
Um, Sonia were saying not you can prevent cancer by doing A, B, and C as an individual. It's about lowering the risk, lowering the odds. It's not exactly. a guarantee. Okay, I think that's really important for people to understand. And I, occur- people, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, agree. We never want people to think that we're saying you got that cancer because you ate X or you didn't eat you know, that vegetable. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's just about your odds. So... Exactly. And, 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 but too many, too many, uh, you know, too many things uh, on the internet circulate. And I'm going to, I'm going to go out with my marketing background and say much of the stuff you read on the internet is marketing driven and skewed, including research studies. You've got to really look at where the source is from, because there's a lot out there that says, quote, sugar causes cancer. And as Alice just underscored, that is not the correct way to look at this. There are many reasons people get cancer and sugar is not a cause that will, you know, because that's just, that's, there's no that's just not right. So let's, you clarified it, but there are foods out there that are not as beneficial for you as others and could be more carcinogenic, right? Correct. Yes. And they can increase your risk for cancer. That's, that's really what I want to be clear about is that, um, you know, saying something is carcinogenic has the term that, oh no, if I'm exposed to it, I will get cancer. Um, and it's not that simple. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. So, well, one of the foods that, that we, um, you know, that we do say to, to avoid if possible, or to at least limit to special occasions is our our processed meats. And these are, are meats that have been preserved through smoking, salting, curing, or adding other preservatives. And so, so some examples of that are like, um, bacon, hot dogs, ham, um, some of the deli meats, those kinds of things. Anything that has been, you know, transformed from the fresh meat through some of these chemical processes. Exactly. And and these are, one of the things that's a problem with these, besides their processes, they have um, nitrates and, and, and sodium and other factors that are also not healthy for your heart as well. Yeah. So they're exactly. just unhealthy, yeah. period. They are unhealthy, period. However, I'm going to, you know, there are ways you can, um, I'm from the deep south, everything has bacon in it. And right. I just made, I, I just made succotash and I had to take the bacon out and it really tasted pretty awful. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give a tip and you can share a tip. If you love the taste of bacon. My tip is smoked paprika. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Paprika is great. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it gives you that bacony flavor and, and, and I'm, I'm big on herbs. I also, cause we did this with our incredibly dull succotash last night. We actually <laughs> added some Cajun spices. Now Cajun spices do have a lot of sodium, but it's still better for you than having the bacon. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. The spices are such a great way to, um, to really liven up some of those dishes. And like, you know, we talk about eating more whole grains and vegetables, you know, if they taste bland to you, yes, use spices, use those things that, that help enhance that flavor. That's really a great idea. Now, I also want to stress, because we have a question, how do we know it, that will work for us? Now, we're talking about processed meat. So we're talking about, you know, what you see in the deli counter and bacon and fattier cuts of meat also. Um, but there are options. Let's talk about the best options because you don't have to avoid eating meat. So what would you no, recommend? 
That's right. Well, so so let's so for red meat like hamburger and steak and so beef, lamb and pork, um, AICR does recommend that you limit the amount of those meats um, from 12 to 18 ounces a week of cooked meat. So that's you know that's like if you want to have you know three six ounce portions of meat or you want to have a couple ounces every day um, of red meat. That's um, you know that's one option. Um, but just to limit the amount of red meat. But then there's, you know, fish and chicken are great substitutes for red and, and processed meat. Um, you can use these in fish and in tacos and stews and sandwiches just in the same way that you would use red and processed meats, right? So you can use canned tuna. You can mm-hmm. use canned salmon for salads and sandwiches. Um, I mean, there's there's just... They're both so versatile that you can use those, um, I guess, what, what a lot of people call white meat, um, right. you know, in, in a very um, healthy way. But beyond, you know, even animal foods, there's so many great choices in the plant world for high-protein food. I mean, there's just so many colorful dried beans and peas. Mm-hmm. There's lentils. Uh, there's soy foods like tofu and edamame. These mm-hmm. are all really delicious and versatile foods, um, easily used in soups and stews, thrown into casseroles, stir fries, burritos, salads, um, throw them in your favorite pasta sauce. Um, you know, they can be used in, in the same way that any kind of um, fish or chicken or red meat can be used. And, um, you know, there, you can also get convenient canned beans. You can get mm-hmm. frozen edamame, um, you know, very, very uh versatile and a lot of different ways to use these these um, high protein plant foods that provide not just protein but a lot of vitamins and minerals and fiber exactly i want to and uh, interject here because we're actually testing different vegetarian burgers right now for some articles i'm writing we just made a phen- phenomenal black bean corn burger um that i'm going to post on my website it's good. it's the best and um, speaking of fiber, fiber is very important for your digestion. Some people, you can't have too much fiber, and some people feel beans make them feel gassy and bloaty. Um, if, if you're having fresh beans, soak them. Soak them for several hours before using them. That will help. But also, I learned, because certain foods make me, I tend to gas up and bloat from a lot of raw vegetables and beans and most of my diet, so I'm perpetually gassy and bloaty. But here's what you can do. Change the texture of the food. Um, I find if I saute the vegetables and olive oil, they don't, or even onions, which kill me, raw onions kill me, it, they work, or puree them and turn them into a dip or a soup. And you're still getting your, your protein, um, but it may be less gassy on your system. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good idea. Yeah, because a lot of people, a lot of people are afraid to eat vegetables because they blow up, and it's maybe not the vegetable; it's maybe how you prepare it. Now, I also want to talk about preparation because the ASCR has a very strong stand about grilling. And as you know, I interviewed you for an article I did on healthy grilling for um, the Epoch Times. What is it about grilling that is um, is is riskier than other types of cooking, and what are better options? So it's really about. Yeah, okay. So it's really about sort of the direct contact with with the heat and with the fire. So what happens when um when you grill meat is that you know it often chars, it's it's exposed to really high heat. And that can lead to compounds being formed in the meat called heterocyclic amines or HCAs. 
um, and the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs. Um, and these substances um, have the ability to, to damage our DNA in ways that might make cancer more likely. So there are some studies that have shown that if you marinate the meat or mm -hmm. the poultry or the fish for at least 30 minutes, um, that you might actually reduce the formation of at least some of the HCAs. So, you know, that's one way if you do grill um, that you can reduce some of these compounds. So it's, it's, you know, there's, it's sort of protecting, in other words, protecting the meat from the high heat. Now, um, what about, um, I read pre-cooking it a little bit um, before it goes yeah. on the grill, so it's not on yeah, the direct heat. Yeah, is that a good option? And can you use a microwave? Yeah, that's right. You can microwave um, however you want to do it, like do it inside. Just, you know, don't let it sit around for a while partially cooked. You do it, then you take it immediately out to right. the grill. We have to think about food safety as well. Um, and then it doesn't have as much, it doesn't spend as much time on the grill, but you still get a little bit of that, you know, the grill sort of flavor that, that we all enjoy. So, mm -hmm. but you're just, there's going to be fewer of those compounds that we talked about um, being generated. Exactly. And, and so microwaving is safe because a lot of people get a little nervous about microwaving. Yeah, it, it is. There's really no evidence to show that there's any um, risk from microwave ovens. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, the food doesn't become radioactive. Um, we, do, we don't uh, get any of the, the microwaves that are in the oven, you know, that are in the oven because it's, they're sealed in there. So we aren't exposed to that. And it doesn't, uh, really doesn't change the chemical or molecular structure of food any differently than cooking it in other ways does. Well, I have an interesting question. So my husband puts plastic wrap over all the food, which gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'm not big on plastic anything is there any correlation between you know like a, you know plastic water bottles or any kind of pl or putting plastic over your food when you're cooking it that that have a correlation to increased risk so that's yeah that's a little bit out of um AICR is sort of what what we look at in mm -hmm. terms of risk factors I know there you know that that is that is um, a concern among some of the people studying that um, and I would just you know encourage looking at um you know, some of the government websites on that and, and looking at what they have to say about that. That's sort of um, not something that I, that I can feel that I okay. am an expert in discussing. So. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's switch back to something that is a big topic. And, and I know for my listeners, some of this may seem complicated, but it's not really, I mean, the, the guidelines are pretty uh, straightforward and you can go to AICR.org to see them. And, and this is about reducing your risk. It's not about, uh, and it, and it's not only cancer, it's, it's other diseases as well as cancer, notably heart disease. A lot of the things that, uh, Alice is recommending also correlate to reducing your risk for heart disease, which is the number one killer of women. So um, that's really important to underscore. I want to talk about alcohol. This one always kills me. We had back and forth on this because I also write about wine, and 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 I know there's a it's strong correlation with breast cancer and alcohol. What does the AICR stand on alcohol consumption for men and women? Uh, yeah. So our recommendation is um, for lower cancer risk, we recommend not drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, our tagline under that is, if you do choose to drink alcohol, limit, your, limit how much you drink. Um, if you're a man, uh, drink no more than two drinks a day. 
and if you're a woman, no more than one drink a day. And that's a standard drink, um, which mm-hmm. is like 12, you know, uh, 12 ounces of, of beer, five ounces of wine, um, one and a half ounces of liquor. And this also correlates to the U.S. Um, government's dietary guidelines for 2015 exactly. to 2020. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's all in yeah. sync. I mean, this is, and, and also yeah. the American Heart Association. I mean, so this is like for all illness. Now, I have a tip as a wine writer. I, 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 I taste and spit a lot because I'm tasting wine. If you are um, a consumer of wine and you hate hearing this news, then sh- cut your portions in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Cut, cut your, cut your, cut, what was the ounces? Five ounces? So you're drinking two and a half ounces each and sip it. <laughs> yeah, and, and another, another nice thing to do in the summer too is to, um, you know, put some sparkling water in that. Yeah, uh, wine spritzers so, are great. Way, yeah, wine spritzers are a great way to. Yeah, first yeah. of all, it's a great way to deal with bad wine that you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and yeah. two, it also lowers your alcohol level and keeps the alcohol level yeah. down, which is also a, right. a factor um, as well. But yeah, wine spritzer is a better is a way to still get that wine taste without that. Also, just drink a lot of water. Now, sugar gets a really bad um, reputation in the cancer world, and this is the one I've seen probably most loosely. Um, thrown around as the sugar cause cancer. If you if you Google that, you'll see so many. <laughs> and 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 Google is not a medical source. <laughs> Let's talk about sugar and types of sugar and what are the best sugars. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you, really, there's not strong evidence that directly links sugar to increase cancer risk. Um, but we know there's an indirect link, and particularly with um, sugary drinks, um, with sugary beverages. Our, our um, expert report and our most recent analysis of all the literature did show that um, sugary beverages increase risk for having overweight and obesity. So they can right. lead to weight gain, which, you know, take another step, and that's one of the, you know, most preventable things uh, one of the things we can do most to lower our risk for, for many cancers is to to not gain weight and not um, carry extra body fat. So it's it's an indirect link, but it is you know because we have so much sugar in our food and in our beverages, um, it does it does increase our risk through that indirect way. Um, and just eating, we know eating a lot of high sugar foods probably leads to you getting more calories than you need. So we, we recommend that, you know, you try to begin to replace your sugary beverages with some, some low or no calorie drinks, um, you know, switch from sodas to just sparkling water without added sugar, drink unsweetened tea, um, get the sparkling water and add some, especially in the summer, add some, you know, maybe some basil or some, you know, chunks of fruit to your water to give it a little extra zip. Um, for hot drinks, sprinkle some cinnamon or cocoa to, to give it a little bit more flavor. So those are some ways, you know, that we, we talk about um, reducing the amount of sugar that's, that's in our diet. Um, and, of course, if, if you pay attention to your sugar consumption, you're going to cut out a lot of those processed foods that, you know, that we know um, – can lead to to gaining um, extra weight and that don't have often a lot of fiber um, and a lot of nutrients. So first and foremost, try to get your sugar from natural sources like eat fruit. 
That's number one. Exactly. Um, because most processed foods and energy bars, you know, just let me just go off on energy bars, which are so high in fat, carbohydrates, and sugar, you might as well be having a Snickers. So, for you know, many, quote, health foods are not healthy. They are designed to sound like they're healthy, but if you really dissect and look at the labels, they're not so healthy. You can eat real food. I, um, I agree with you about sodas. There's no reason to have a manufactured sugary soda. And the best, here's what I do, and here's my tip. I... I'm, I'm right now trying to limit my consumption of sparkling soda, carbonated soda, because I do tend, as I said prior, to get gassy and bloated, particularly because I'm eating so many healthy vegetables. So um, what I've been doing is I've been taking my cold filtered water and putting slices. Lately, I'm doing fresh cantaloupe and letting it macerate a little bit. It is delicious. It is actually a great way to start using your cantaloupe when it's starting to go to the other side and you really don't like the way it tastes you know, in the rind anymore. And it really is delicious. And my guest two weeks ago suggested um, unsweetened raw cranberry juice, which he said is also good for cellulite. I don't see that yet, but, you know, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> but I've been putting um, unsweetened, unsweetened, and, and you got to really find it because there's a lot of fake unsweetened cranberry juice out there, but the natural state <laughs> cranberry juice, it's delicious. And I put a little lime in it. It is so good. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot have, of ways yeah. yeah, to sweeten without doing it. Now, somebody wants to know what can it do to counteract the sugar. So what are some better sweetening options if you're baking, for example, or um, sweetening your yogurt? Um, let's talk about maple syrup versus agave, for example, versus... Um, I don't know. Applesauce is a good one, but what, what would you recommend? So, um, you know, putting, a, you know, even maple sh syrup, agave, just in terms of excess calories, it really isn't going to make that much difference. Now, mm -hmm. one thing with maple syrup is it has a very strong flavor. So you might be able to, you know, use less of that than right. you would say, say white sugar. Um, just adding, you know, for yogurt especially, I would say put in chunks of fruit. I mean, that yeah. gives it gives it a great flavor, um, and you don't need to really add any extra sugar for that. So I think that's oftentimes, um, you know, what I like to do too is just put a tiny bit of fruit juice into my water too to give it a little bit of, of exactly. flavor. And um, so, you know, you can use fruits as a sweetening agent. For baking, it's 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 difficult because yes. a lot of times you need that sugar <laughs> to, to produce the, you know, the quality of the baked product that you're going to get. So I, I would just say, you know, try cutting back as much as you can on the sugar um, until, you know, until you get to the point where, yeah, this isn't, isn't even worth eating. Um, and then just save your baked, your sweet and baked products for special treats. Well, here's something interesting. So I, I've been playing around with peach cobblers for an article as well. And I have found that a lot of the older recipes, like more than five years old, like eight years old, tend to call for more sugar and butter than more recent. Interesting. So what I did is for the one I made today, which is downstairs, uh, nice and warm and crispy, a peach crisp, is I sliced my peaches and then I took the skins and the stone and I squeezed them like you'd squeeze an orange and I got all that, a lot of peach juice out, which I reserved and mixed with cinnamon. And um, I cut my sugar significantly. Actually, I'm trying it with maple, but the peach juice was sweetened, a sweetener enough, a natural sweetener. Um, and you mix it with cinnamon, and I think I put a little lemon in, and, and then I put it back into the sliced peaches and let it macerate a bit. And then when I put the peaches in the pan, I had all that juice underneath, and I used that as the sweetener for the topping. 
I think that's a great idea. And, you know, you, I think you make a good point, too, in that as we begin to cut back on sugar and we begin to taste the flavors and get used to that, you know, you need less and less sugar. Exactly. And, and once you get used to those flavors that come out with just a little bit of sweetener, when you go back to taste the really sweet foods, it's really unpleasant. <laughs> it, so it really is. I, yeah, yeah, it really so is. I, so really just beginning to train yourself to grit. You know, if, if cutting way back is just too mm-hmm. much, gradually cut back, wean yourself off of it, um, you know, and make it a process. It doesn't have to happen overnight. It might take a few weeks. It might take a few months. But as you get used to flavors that are not so sweet, you can really begin to enjoy, um, you know, those, those dishes with, with way less sugar in them. Here's another, and it, I agree, and, 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 you know, I brought up the squeezing the peaches. A lot of people just throw out skins, but there's a lot of juice in those skins, and, and rinds, rinds and juices. Get as much you can out and use it as a sweetener. Um, another thing is, um, if you're, like you said, yogurt, we put a lot of cinnamon in our yogurt, um, which for us is like an alternative, and then we do, believe it or not, very good balsamic vinegar because one of the classic dishes in Italy is to have a very high beautiful balsamic vinegar an age when with strawberries and you go what's that kind of do it's amazing if you have an aged balsamic vinegar and put it in your yogurt and have some cinnamon and fresh fruit you don't even know you're missing honey or maple or anything trust me yeah I think that that really speaks to using um you know, a lot of different ingredients. And I think we don't use enough herbs and spices exactly um, as, as ways to, to flavor the foods that we eat and to really, you know, that, that can bring out certain flavors in foods. Um, it really, uh, as we say, spices things up, obviously. So those, those are, you, you've got a lot of great ideas there, Melanie. Well, thank you. It's going to hopefully be another book, Alice. So I'm on, okay. the I'm on the myth side. I'm playing with my food, singing for my supper. Soy can lead to an increased risk of cancer. Now I want to address soy because it's another one of those ones all over there. Because when you are diagnosed with estrogen positive cancer, which I had, breast cancer, you, you develop a fear of soy. Um, because soy contains estrogen. Let's clarify soy. Yeah. So um, really soy is confusing um, because at one time uh, there was a fear that eating soy foods would increase risk for breast cancer. Um, But the truth is that soy foods are a great source of protein. They're an excellent source of protein. Um, And depending on the soy foods that you're talking about, you're going to get a lot of great nutrients, magnesium, iron, fiber, and in fact, soy contains phytochemicals that Mm -hmm. are being studied and probably have cancer preventive properties. So, um, you know, the the earlier fears were that the isoflavones in soy foods um, might actually increase risk for breast cancer. And this was based on some early animal studies um, that suggested soy might be harmful for uh-huh. breast for you know for breast cancer survivors and for breast cancer but because these animals actually process soy in a different way and these isoflavones in different ways than humans um, that kind of fear did not hold up in human studies so what we know now is that um, soy is actually a very healthful choice and in fact AICR's report on breast cancer survivors um, a few years ago 
found not strong evidence, but suggestive evidence that soy foods may actually be protective for breast cancer survivors. So we, you know, this is one of the myths that we hear over and over again, and we have, you know, uh, information on our website about this, but I think it's important to understand that soy is safe for women with breast cancer. Um, and consuming moderate amounts of soy does not increase a woman's risk for recurrence or for other, you know, health risks. Now, that doesn't mean just sit there and start dabbling all your food, your Japanese food and your sushi with soy sauce because it's very high in sodium. (laughs) Yeah, we should talk about the soy foods that I'm talking, (laughs) that I'm referring to. Yeah, let's talk about what soy foods were because there's many, you know, there's soy foods like edamame and then there's soy sauce and then there's um, soy lecithin and derivatives in processed food. Yeah, yeah. So let's give some examples of good soy. Yeah, so the most common things are going to be like tofu and, and edamame. Me. Right. Um, and and even like you can can eat the soy soybeans as well, but for the most part, those are going to be the two most um, used. And tempeh is an, is another kind of soy food. So, um, you know, we have some re- recipes on our website for that, and I'm you know it's easy to find those recipes. But I think edam- uh, you know edamame is something I've discovered in the last few years that <coughs> excuse me that, you know, I like to buy a frozen bag of them and you can throw them into so many things. Um, if I'm making like a whole grain, a quinoa salad or something, um, it goes in with that or put it in with some other vegetables. Um, it goes great in a lot of different salads. It's a, you know, to me, that's a real convenience food that is, um, delicious, uh, contains a high amount of protein and is very nutritious. Well, I agree. I consider um, edamame, um, which is a soybean, um, a, a bean with bling. You know, it blings up your food. And it's like you pop it out. It's like, it's like frozen peas. It's another thing to have in your refrigerator a freezer yeah. at all times. But we always yeah. have edamame. You can make an a incredible edamame um, dip because we're doing a lot with um, homemade uh, nut dips and, and, and vegetable dips. Uh, right now, and, and you can do some wonderful things um, with them. It really is. Um, and phytochemicals, for those who don't know what that is, who are listening, um, which are also found in plants, are beneficial to your health. Um, and and you can find them in many um, many plants. What food have we not talked about that would be um, that more people need to be adding into their diet? So I think whole grains is an important food yes. um, to mm-hmm. keep in mind. And, you know, that's, <clears throat> that can be anything from a whole wheat bread to, to oatmeal to brown rice, um, quinoa, barley. Um, there's so many, so many choices um, to get whole grains into your diet. Some of them take longer to cook than others if you, you know, you just cook the whole grains. But again, there are a lot of great options out there. You can get a frozen keep uh, you know we talked about frozen beans you can get a uh, frozen brown rice uh, keep a bag in your freezer and that mm-hmm. you know it can be ready in in just a few minutes or you can get the instant instant brown rice or 10 minute cooked cooking brown rice um, if you can get whole wheat couscous that cooks you know in just a couple minutes it's very easy to do um, and then you know I think Oatmeal is, is has a resurgence as well. <laughs> so yeah. A lot of the fast food restaurants offering that now they may put a lot of sugar in there, but but that is something that's a quick and easy to to cook at home as well. So there's so many ways to get whole grains 
I'm a big fan of overnight oats. And and this is another texture thing because, again, some people may not eat something because they don't like the texture. I personally think, don't laugh, I think the the texture of cooked oatmeal is like snot. I just can't even stand (laughs) the sight of it. I mean, you you can't make me eat oatmeal hot. But I happen to love overnight oats, which is you take the oatmeal, you put it in, there's measurements of it, you put a a portion of um, oatmeal um, in, in water and you let it soak overnight in the refrigerator right and it comes out ready to eat and then you add nuts and you can add raisins and you can add fruit you can add cinnamon again i'm big on cinnamon um and a little bit of yogurt um or um, almond milk and it's delicious and it's a great way to make your breakfast at night so you don't have to think about making breakfast in the morning and then say oh shoot i'll just forget breakfast right right you're right and you can even put it in a to-go container right if you're really running late take it with you well, and what's great about that is you have these little pots, you know, like um, we go, I go to um, Pret-a-Manger in New York. I happen to love Pret-a-Manger. They make the best overnight oats. Uh, they really do. But they're little pots and you can, they're, they're great because you can also snack on them during the day if you need a quick fix, um, you know, if you need a, a, a lift. They're great. And it's also full with fiber. I mean, I'm a big yeah. oatmeal person, but again, I don't like hot oatmeal. Again, if you don't like a food... Try eating it in another way or cooking or texture because it, it really can make a difference. Like I actually don't like okra, another snot food, but boy, if you, <laughs> I like it pickled and fermented. And I, another question in the, we have but two minutes left, fermented foods. What's the story? They're very hot right now, fermented foods. And yeah. what is it with cancer? Yeah. Well, we don't really have a lot of research on, on that. Um, I would just say if you enjoy the fermented foods, uh, you know, that's that's great. Um, keep in mind that sometimes they can be very high in sodium. So I would use them as more garnishes or as more like a little bit to spice up a dish. Than well, to- yeah, there are garnishes. And, and, and here's my take on fermented. I love them. They're, they're better than potato chips. Like if you're, <laughs> if you're craving something really salty and crunchy... Uh, like a chip from a bag, have a fermented food, uh, like a pickle, eat a pickle or eat um, pickled okra or pickled whatever. It, and, and here's another tip. I hate raw onions. Boy, they give me the worst reflux. But pickled onions, pickled onions, awesome. I can eat them. Sounds great. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know you, you're taking a sip there. We, we both before the show commenced about allergies and colds. Um Alice, I love talking to you. This is obviously a topic near and dear to my heart. For my listeners, I want to let you know I'm going to be talking about this again um, with another author who has a book out on um, cancer nutrition, uh, Leanna Werner-Gray, in in two weeks. And I always have helpful sites and information on my um, website, MelanieYoung.com, and in my book, which I am in the process of updating, Getting Things Off My Chest, A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer, being a, a food and beverage professional who writes about this topic and lives it every day of their life, I have no choice but how to figure out how to combine being healthy with doing what I love. And the key is enjoy your food, eat with pleasure, be mindful, eat more slowly, watch your portions, and don't fear food, embrace it with pleasure, right? Correct. 
That's right. So again, we've been speaking with Alice Bender and the website, if you want to get more information, and there's some great recipes, is AICR, American Institute for Cancer Research. I've enjoyed having you on the show. You can listen to this show and all my shows on iHeart.com and the free iHeart app anytime, anywhere. And please follow me at Melanie Young, uh, at Mighty Melanie on Twitter and and Melanie Fabulous on Instagram. And join me next week for another show. Thanks again. And thank you, Alice. Thank you. All right. Have a fabulous day. Thank you. Bye-bye. 